Welcome to the Heart to Kill podcast, the official podcast of the Heart to Kill program, the world's leading program for driven individuals looking to gain direction and momentum, where we aim to break down the complex, multifaceted and holistic factors of human performance and optimization. Both on the program and on this podcast, we will be discussing and excavating everything pertaining to psychological resilience, physical robustness, and leading by example with discipline and tenacity to create a culture of winning, especially in the turbulent, frenetic, and high tempo world of the ambitious individual. This is Mark, the creator, senior DS, and head coach of the Hearticle program. Let's get stuck straight into it. So, on today's episode of the Hearticle podcast, we welcome our first guest to this studio, Mr. Jack Jarvis. Oh, you know what? I'll let you introduce yourself, mate, rather than build the pressure and, and come off. I'll let you introduce yourself. Yeah, uh, no, so yes. Hi, my name is Jack Jarvis, part of the directing staff in the Hard to Kill program. Um, and probably what I'm most well known for is I was the first person to row from mainland Europe to mainland North America. <laughs> Done a few other challenge, but that's probably the biggest one. 111 days solo unsupported. So yeah, that's me. Yeah, in, uh, five seconds. And that's um, very much what we want to talk about today is, is the rowing effort and everything you've learned as a result of that. Not that you haven't got some cool dits to spin about being in the hard to kill and what that's, that's like as well. But yeah, largely we want to kind of talk about that because I found it fucking fascinating. I know a lot of other people will as a result of that. So we'll start at the beginning, mate. Like, where did you even get the idea to set a fucking world record? <sighs> Good question. <laughs> Probably got to go all the way back to when I was a young, uh, young lad. Like, from as early as five. Yeah. I remember saying to my mum, mum, I'm going to climb Mount Everest one day. Yeah. And she was like, Jack, shut up. <laughs> but that sense of adventure has always been in me. Yeah. Always loved it. Always, you know, I used to just dream, dream about these mad expeditions. Mm. Christmas Columbus. So I remember like, imagine discovering someone new. I love the idea of being an explorer. Yeah. So that was put to bed school and then joined the army. So that adventurous side. Mm. And then always loved the idea of being again as well, record holder. And then how the row came about mm. was 2017, maybe the start of 2018, my friend Duncan Roy, mm. he, uh, we served together in the in the army. He came back to our unit having just completed a four-man row mm. and it sounded epic. I mean, for all the wrong reasons, he, and he will, won't mind me saying this, his first crossing was how not to row an ocean. <laughs> they had all power failure, mm. their rudder broke, their wheel seized up. So for the last 800 nautical miles, they were arms only. Mm. And he gave back and he gave me this brief. And instead of putting me off, I was like, that is incredible. That Sounds is exactly mega. the type, kind of journey I'm, mm. I want. And they actually set out to go mainland Europe to mainland South America. Mm. And they did that. But because of all their problems, they went had to stop in the Canary Islands, stop in Cape Verde, and then go across. So it like avoids the attempt, basically. Well, no, actually. It, it avoided that attempt. But because mm. they were the first group of four to go from Cape Verde to, because no one in, in the ocean yeah. would ever do that. Yeah. choice they actually so they didn't get their original record but they got still a, set a yeah, record yeah yeah. yeah yeah so that's sort of where it came about mm. and then leading on from that i deployed on um, a hurricane and disaster relief deployment for six months in the caribbean yeah. which was which was awesome because there were no hurricanes yeah just um, say awesome for you not for the people who's got their fucking house whipped up yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. that's <laughs> yeah. why i say it was awesome yeah, <laughs> yeah. they were absolutely uh destroyed no um, yeah. <laughs> it was awesome because there was no hurricane so and that meant our workload was like a lot of r and r and then off the back of that uh started planning which was two years and then on the 20 no sorry december 21 mm. that's when i pushed off from portugal mate mm. yeah yeah and then 111 days I'm, I'm sure we'll talk about the planning and the, and the row itself but yeah that's how it all came about really yeah 100 percent. um because you've obviously spoken about this already exclusively to members of the hard to kill brotherhood and it was a fantastic talk and that's why we're here now as i think there's so many people in the wider world who could who could value from that but talk about talk about the planning phase and talk about all the things that went wrong yeah really really tough yeah the planning phase and, and the preparation they have a saying and 
Well, I don't think it's it's Chad at all. I think it's it's very true. Mm. Hardest part of rowing an ocean is getting to the start line. And I mm. spoke to a guy who's running the length of Africa. He said the same thing. Mm. Anyone these big expeditions, it, that's that can be a real difficulty. Yeah. So when you start, you are literally I was a guy with an idea, Mark. Mm. No corporate experience of raising money. I was literally going round. I had a sponsorship deck I'd made on paint. And it looked that way. It honestly looked like... A word art across the top. Yeah, I think an orangutan with a with a handful of crayons <laughs> could have probably made a better sponsorship deck. So I had this, and I'm going round and I'm, and, and I'm getting nowhere. I mean, and this is why I want to shout out, you know, a lot of my um, my best mate, Connor Wolf, hmm. first guy to back me. And he was like, I'll sponsor you 300 quid. Hmm. You know, just a regular guy. So I'm going around and I got a bit of money together, you know, and I'm really grateful. And I was going, what else was I doing? I was... I. I was going to into meetings with companies that I mm. knew were probably going to say no because you are literally, hi, I want to become the first person in the world in history to row from mainland Europe to mainland North America. Well, have you got a boat? No. What rowing experience have you got? None. So you weren't <laughs> even a river rower? No. Yeah, good one, mate. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it was tough. But like I said, persistence beats resistance. Mm. It would have been so easy for me to just rap, quit and just say, oh, it can't be done. But then I would have proved all the all the people who doubted me. Yeah. Correct? Mm. So I, uh, you know, and, it, and I was swimming. I did my um, my longest swim, three k, mm. and I was in the pool on on Sunday, completely alone. I remember thinking, I could just quit now, and no one would know. Mm. And it was that, and obviously I didn't. Did the three k swim, went reasonably well. Mm. And it was the same. Well, I didn't drown, so I would say very well. Yeah. So you know, I, I did did um, so I kept persevering, and then that person was rewarded. I'd, I'd, I'd got a bit of money together. I mean, I'd ran, a, I'd ran a marathon up Pendle Hill. And the reason I ran this marathon up Pendle Hill um, was to raise fundraise. Mm. But that in itself doesn't sound that interesting, does it, Mark? Marathon mm. up Pendle Hill. So what I actually did was I carried a rowing machine mm. and it took nine hours. And the reason I did that is because I had no experience with the corporate side. I wasn't really getting much traction, but I thought, right, what am I good at? Mm. You know, getting my nut down and grinding hard and, you know, like really pushing myself. I'm, mm. I'm a stubborn... <laughs> Maybe some say determined, or tenacious. Why well, pick you? Pick your one. Pick mm. one of the three. So I did that. That got a lot of you know exposure, mm. which then gave me six. Got about six grand. So I had about maybe twenty grand that I'd managed to. I was running raffles. I was doing all sorts just to try and make it a reality. Mm. And then a uh, friend of my dad's, who who he served with when they were both in the military, messaged me and he was like, Jack, I found out about this row. Why didn't you tell me? I said, Sean, you weren't the. Uh, you weren't the first person that popped to mind. One of my dad's friends who he served with over 20 years ago, mm. and I've seen probably three times, he's like, oh, shut up, mate. Right, how much do you need? <laughs> Very connected guy. We managed to get the boat, and then once you got the boat, that was about 40 grand. And you know, once you got that, you've got a bit more money, and mm. you can start, you look a bit more credible. And yeah. So, yeah, it's just um, just to be persistent and and never, you might think, because I'd often get asked, oh, why don't my, my nan come out with a cracker? Sorry, Grandma, if you listen <laughs> to this. Jack, why don't you, uh, why don't you phone Amazon? And I was just like, "Hello, Jeff. Is yeah, that Jeff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hold on, let me just speed though. Yeah, yeah. Customer said, "No, no, I don't want you on minimum wage. I need Jeff. All right, I mean, you know. Yeah, get so, your checkbook out, mate. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, hey, I raised eighty, eighty-five thousand pounds. Yeah, to buy the boat, fill it with food, safety equipment, driving it to to Portugal. So all mm. these things. And a massive shout out to my sponsors. I can't, I can't name them all, but yeah. you know they're absolutely incredible. And and although what I did was a solo effort." Hmm. it's you know like we say no man's a, no, no man is an island yeah yeah, yeah 100 you know, i had a great team behind me and and if anyone's trying or wants to do anything like this i'd 100 percent recommend it but and never never um pigeonhole yourself to hmm. red bull or i don't know but, um, yeah red bull yeah. yeah i couldn't think of another one off the top of my head i had finch bakery hmm. which is a bakery in in clitheroe a small town in the ribble valley yeah sponsor me 
a very generous amount. So yeah, yeah, it's um, just persistence. Did they fill your boat with pastries? That's what they they, yeah. they actually didn't. That's <laughs> yeah, my yeah. one bone to pick. Yeah, yeah. And they didn't get me any pastries and brownies for the finish. Oh, but what's no, the look, fucking point? Yeah. Well, the cold hard cash was pretty good. So you <laughs> yeah, know what I'm saying, yeah, yeah, fair one. Um, so we've got as far as like, okay, we understand like this drive and determination to to explore, which a lot of people have. And what you actually said kind of rung true with this societal truth, which is most kids at age five want to be a fucking space cowboy or an astronaut or an adventurer then it gets to kind of school and that kind of gets kicked out of you a little bit and it's like well i'll be happy to be a doctor or a lawyer now then you get to secondary school and that gets fully murdered out of you and you're like well, well i'll just i'll just be happy to pay the bills um and then you've obviously been like oh you know what fuck that like i'm going to push back on that and even though you've been in the military for what, like 10 8 8 10 years at that point 10 years 10 10 years like which is obviously you know a lot of people do get institutionalized in that and that's not inherently a bad thing because they they're a cog in a, in a bigger wheel and they serve a purpose you still had the um i guess the enterprising spirit to be like well no i i still want to do those things that, that were important to me when i was a kid not enough people who have the courage to do that like do the things that actually they really got excited by when they were a fucking kid and you went out and, and you begun to make that happen so from that point then you've got your boat it's full of fucking bickies well it's actually not as you'll tell us in yeah. a moment it's 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 the deficit of bickies it's a bicky dry zone yeah. um it's over in portugal talk to us about the emotions when you're starting mate it's i actually haven't really shared um this with anyone mm. no one's really asked me that question but so to mentally prepare myself i used to just say out loud in the mirror every day it sounded a bit chad but mm. i'd go yeah this is one of the toughest thing you ever you've ever mm. done in your life so i knew so and then what not that i've had any mindset because people do you, know, do you do any mindset coach and i said yeah no like i didn't i just i just thought right what could help me and I, my thinking was if i get out there and it is horrifically hard i can say to myself jack you knew it's gonna be hard yeah 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 so um had a leaving party which was absolutely fantastic all the boys over at the time brilliant brilliant evening had everyone back to my grandma's as well so it was <laughs> Up to the early hours. Bruise all around. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she was actually in America, so we had to me and me and a few of the boys had to do a clean up up in the, <laughs> in the morning. Um, so we did that, and then I get on the morning of, sorry, the night before I left, I stayed around my mum and mm. my mum and dad's house. So obviously, you had my, gave my mum a hug in the in the night. Went to bed a little bit emotional. Mm. She was anyway. Woke up in the morning and hugged my mum, and I'm all right. My mum starts crying, and it's not you know I'm extremely close with my mum and my mm. and my dad and, and my stepdad. Very lucky. Mm. Extremely lucky. So yeah, gave my mum a hug. She starts crying. I'm like, fucking hell, mum, stop. You know, you're gonna say. He's cutting onions in here. Fucking hell. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I, had, I was the early ferry from Portsmouth. Yeah. So about half six, my little brother, classic nineteen-year-old, mm. um, eighteen-year-old, doesn't surface, doesn't know there's two <laughs> six o'clocks in the day. Bless him. Mm. Um, and he and he and he was like, so I can't, he just sort of, sort of waves me over. He goes. He said, gives me a hug. He's laying in bed. He's like, good luck, mate. I'm I'm so proud to be your brother. And I was like. Mm. all right cool so i'm still holding it together at this point so i get in the in the land rover discovery um which i got from jardine motors very, again very generous blown mm. away that was awesome and i'm in the i'm on the i'm get on the ferry it's pulling away you know my phone's got a few texts i'm bearing in mind i'm still not going to go for probably another five mm. I, I can't remember off the top of my head now it's a year ago in in 10 days and my little brother sends me a text mate and my and it says sorry i couldn't give you a proper goodbye today um but I just want you to know I'm and I fucking I feel so well enough now. Yeah. I'm so proud. I'm so proud of you. Mm. And like it's an honor to call you, call you my brother. To call you my brother. Yeah. I love you so much. And we don't have that relationship mm. with, you know, I love him and mm. I'm sure he, well, I know he loves me. <laughs> um, but we're not, you know. Very few blokes do. Uh, even, yeah. even within a family, have the ability to kind of say it like that. Yeah. And yeah. fucking. And when he said that, I was like, ah, pff, 
it just opened. I was crying, yeah. and I've I've got a picture on my phone um, of my face. I took a selfie then because I think it's very important. Because I'm very, I would say I'm tough, tough mm. mentally, tough physically, mm. and I don't feel you should, you know, be the victim at all. You know, mm. if you're not happy with how things are in your life, mm. you can do something to change. I really do believe that. But it's on the flip side of that, I think it's absolutely fine to show emotion. Mm. I actually think it's part of it. Yeah. Because if you don't, if you're not registering and accepting emotions and you're just pretending everything's fine, you're not actually going to allow yourself to feel the pain required for the motivation to do something about it. If like, this is fine while the house is on fire around you, it's not fine, mate. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and I think a lot of people, and I never wanted to, because whenever ever I speak to people, I say, look, I'm, although I, I can be laser focused, I'm extremely tough, extremely determined, and I can row mm. the Atlantic solo. Mm. I have I have emotions, you know, I I get I, I have self-doubts mm. like everyone. Uh, and I don't want people to put me on this pedestal because if they put me up there, they think and they're down here, they don't think they can achieve that. And I said, I'm nothing special. Mm. I'm not like this. I wasn't an Olympic rower. I'm just a normal guy. So yeah, I'm very emotional. Anyway, got a grip on myself, got myself into the all-you-can-eat buffet breakfast. <laughs> and so yeah, drove down to Portugal. And then again, you know, it was I was into work mode. I had, had the boat to set up. And what actually I found out is a, is a uh, Spanish guy. Oh, I can't remember his name. Uh, it'll come back to me but mm. I found out two days my boat's not even in the water yet because we're still doing our pre-road checks he's setting off from a port just down the road mm. to try and do the same thing so I was like in this mindset yeah all I've got to do is finish mm. not in a race like the Talisker but all of a sudden now that's been flipped on his head and I remember saying to my weather router my girlfriend was due to fly out and I said right Emily don't bother coming we're launching the boat tonight and we're going my weather router was like Jack chill out mm. You've better prepped. You know, you're in a better position physically. Your boat's... My boat was heavier, so it's not as fast. Mm. However, it's probably going to look after me a bit more. A bit, bit sturdier. A bit sturdier. So, yeah, that was another emotion I had to deal with. This sudden... You know, I was like, God, if I can't beat him, this... Mm. I won't get the record. And then moving on from that, girlfriend come over. And again, I was all right. She left. And then the last emotion I remember, I phoned my mum and was setting off in the morning, two in the morning, go out with the tide. Mm. And my mum said... Um, I was like, you're right, mum. Off, off tomorrow. And she always started crying. I was like, oh, <laughs> not again. So I'm like, mm. Managed to control it. And uh, I think my last conversation I had was my my best mate, mm. um, Connor. And I was like, you're right, mate. He was like, you're right, mate. Oh, I'm so chuffed for you, buddy. Like, mm. you're going to smash it. And I was like, he was like, how are you doing? He spoke to mum. I said, yeah. I said, I said, do you think I'm being selfish? Mm. Uh, and he went, nah, of course you're not. And I said, just, look, you know, like yeah. that. I was like, I feel like I'm being selfish, mate. And mm. just don't know. Anyway, I said, oh, you're right. I couldn't even look at it again. I didn't want to let me see me cry. Yeah. I was like, right, mate. Oh, I've got to go. And he's, you know, he texted me straight away. He's like, mate, you ain't being selfish. Mm. Yeah. You raise money for your granddad, raise money for a great charity. And I was like, yeah, you're right. Mm. And then it was like, boom. Yeah. That alarm went off at two in the morning. It was game time. Mm. Um, and then didn't didn't really get sort of homesick or anything like that. Well, yeah, the, the stress is in the gaps in it. So like when it's when it's game on, it's game on. Yeah. It's, it's the anticipation of that, that where the, you start to shit the bed. And, you know, what you said about being selfish is really interesting because I've, I've recently recorded a podcast talking about, you know, being selfish and this negative connotation we have with it. Well, we all want to uh, avoid being self-centered or self-absorbed, but I don't perceive for a moment it's selfish to pursue your dream, your vision, your ambition you've had since you're five years old. I could not agree more, like, mate. It's actually, because in doing so, you're raising money for other people. You're raising the bar of, of if you want to go as far as for humanity in saying this is what can be done and I'm going to be the first person to do it that's the that's the inverse of selfish it's actually like massively selfless it's just it required a sacrifice from you in that moment interesting to get your thoughts on this right mm. so I totally agree with you mm. now my my grandma maybe and I know it comes from a place of love mm. she loves she cares about me but do you not think it's incredibly selfish selfish mm. for her to say oh Jack don't do that mm. and because I, I always think so I, I I'm just going to go get a normal job mm in you know go work in a bank somewhere mm. not that there's anything wrong with that and never go out and mm. pursue what excites me what i really am passionate about mm. just because of obviously i don't want anything but i understand the risks mm. but you don't want me to do that just in case something happens to me mm. so you're 
Yeah, no, I, I totally get that. And that's, it's not, um, although it's your specific circumstance we're talking about here, it happens an awful lot. A lot of people, they're doing it with what they perceive to be that person's best interests at heart. But ultimately, yep. without slagging your granny off, she didn't actually know what's in your best interest at heart at that moment because what was in your best interest was going and living the dream and doing that. And ultimately, it's not for anybody to say, even you, like what's going to happen. You can only do what you believe to be right and then what will be will be. You can only, you're only responsible for the input effort and the outcome will be what it is. There's so many variables you can't control. Now, she wants to protect you and she wants to see you safe. And then also we've got to play into societal or may, maybe more generational belief systems. Like if you go back, what, 60 years or maybe your grandma was in the workforce, that was the belief system is that, you leave school 16 you get into a corporation a company whereby you're safe quote unquote you do your whatever your 50 years then you get your golden handshake and that's you done and you maybe you get a rolex when you finish and that's the epitome of you know a successful individual whereas we now live in an age where we've got laptops and we can make money from anywhere in the world if we want to learn how to do something we can pay someone from anywhere in the world to figure out how to do it the world's a much smaller place it's a much arguably danger more dangerous well it's an uncertain place but it's a safer place from that perspective because of the technology we've got and all that sort of stuff so she's just maybe placing her beliefs on you, not because she doesn't want you to excel or to be happy, but because she just wants you to be safe and she only knows what she knows in that moment. Um, and obviously, I don't know what you do know. I've studied NLP for quite a long time. People are always doing the best they can with the resources they have available. And that helps you to really get to, to quickly get to a place of empathy because you're like, well, that's the resources she has. That's, the, that's her understanding of the world. That's the emotional availability she has. And she's doing the best that she can with those tools to try and make me um, make me safe. And it's like, I, I love you for who you are. I don't dislike like you for what you're not i appreciate the sentiment i'm gonna fucking do it anyway yeah, <laughs> that's yeah, pretty yeah, much that was pretty much yeah, it and yeah i don't tell her about a few of the other things I'm yeah. not <laughs> that we've spoke about but yeah I, I see it all the time as well people and then it works the other way people use that as an excuse well, yeah maybe yeah. they're not you know especially in our line of work when we speak to we speak to people and they're yeah. like oh, I, I, I can't do that the, the missus won't allow it yeah no 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 mate yeah like, i could have easily gone you know yeah away until my grandma's maybe yeah not let me see you see it again a lot and they go and they just use it as a crux when really their the heart wasn't it. in it yeah the heart wasn't and I spoke, I've done a podcast before again, it'll be releasing soon about guilt. I'm plugging my own podcast on a podcast <laughs> uh, about about guilt and, and what guilt actually is because that's what they're experiencing in the, mo in the moment. They're feeling a degree of guilt and guilt is actually, if we break it down from a psychological lens, is just um, a set of, uh, of self-conscious emotions that we perceive we've done something wrong. So, then we'll try and behave in a, in a certain way to change that. So you've got to zoom out and say, well, have you actually done anything wrong for putting yourself, your mental and physical well-being, your happiness, health and emotions first? Is that wrong? Absolutely not. Of course it's not. Because yeah. if I hadn't have done that yeah. because of my grandma, yeah. what do you think our relationship would have been like? Well, yeah, like you're sat around just, the Christmas table and she's cooked and he's like, oh, you're right, Jack. And you're like, fuck off. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Just yeah. the back of your head, like, yeah. it's turkey shit. Yeah, <laughs> it wouldn't though. She's a great cook. Yeah, but I'm no, sure she it's is. So, it's true, it's true. If, yeah. if you don't do something, and my ex really summed it up well, um, you know, really good girl. She, someone asked her about it. So mm. what do you feel about it? Well, she was like, it's his dream. Mm. Like, how am I, who am I to say he can't do that? Yeah. Um, and she said, and if I did say that, mm. he would break up with me. And yeah. you do it anyway, like yeah. you said. So yeah, and, and my missus got that same understanding, and she kind of inherited a fucking a set of operating instructions for me from my parents of like, yeah, if you try and tell him that he shouldn't do that, he will just fuck you yeah, off. Probably, like, yeah, yeah. he'll just do it anyway. So you like it, sometimes but, that makes it sweet, or when yeah. someone tells you not to do yeah. something. And it, for me, it was always it wasn't attractive them telling me not to do it. It's just I really wanted to do it, and I'm like, why should I not? Because you said, and I appreciate we think maybe differently, but a lot of a lot of guys that we speak to feel that exact same way. But ultimately, you had the awareness in the moment to realize what your grandmother was saying was maybe not the truth and it was just a belief system doesn't mean it's less valid doesn't mean it doesn't come from a place of love a lot of people haven't surrounded themselves with people who have encouraged them to have that degree of awareness it's like what you're thinking what you believe isn't true 
It's just the filters that you've absorbed from how you spend your time and with whom you spend your time. And that's not a personal attack. It's just, that's just being really honest about it. And obviously if we want to grow, we've got to be really aware of these belief systems and how we filter and distort the world around us. And you know, people are scared. Like it's okay to be scared. I get scared about a lot of things. I'm sure you did too. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. yeah. Like I, I spoke earlier, I don't want anyone to think I'm this, you know, unbreakable mindset guy that's, you know, looks fear in that looks danger in the face and laughs. I, mm. You know, there were times on that boat, mate. Yeah. Um, and there are times of self-doubt and you're like, Jesus, mm. am I going to make 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 this out alive? I mean, mm. obviously I did because I'm sat here. <laughs> and I think another just last thing sort of on, you know, when people said, no, I couldn't mm. do it. I had no doubt that I would do it. Mm. I was 100% certain I would mm. make it to the other side. Mm. I mean, people could call that arrogance, mm. overconfidence because of my lack of seamanship knowledge. But I, I backed my boat. I backed my training, mm. believed in myself. So when yeah. people would say, oh, you know, it's dangerous. No, I'm going to make it. I said, don't you worry, mate. Mm. I'm going to be fine. I'll well, see you at the finish. Confidence is the, is the integral ingredient in mental toughness. <clears throat> and the problem is I could go down and wrap the hole in this. So I'll just skim over the top. But people perceive confidence to be what they see on social media, which is the guy who's fucking ripped up and got loads of muscle and like really muscular or the chick who's got fucking fake cans. Look at my Instagram. Yeah, mate. <laughs> whammy and then like all these chicks that have got fucking you know fake cans with this sort of stuff and that's not to say they're bad people maybe for them that's what confidence looks and feels like more often than not it's just it's trying to get external validation which they use anything they're good enough whereas if you are inherently confident you're able to a express emotions and b have radical acceptance so when you're looking in the mirror and you're saying this is the hardest thing you're ever going to do you're just being really honest you're not like oh, i'll be all right i'm just going to crack on i'll just fucking so well, no i'm being really honest going to be hard you're going to struggle you're supposed to it's a world record yeah. and when you have that degree of like i'm not a natural born runner if you can't fucking tell but in prep for the MDS a lot of my runs have been really hard and I've been hurting I'm like, fucking I'm hurting I'm hurting you're supposed to you're fucking running 30 miles Mark it's supposed like, to be hard and <laughs> yeah. if it was easy yeah. everyone would fucking if it's it. easy yeah I, I wouldn't have and neither would you have the inclination to, to want do to it. do that yeah. so yeah you get on the boat then and you, you've overcome like the challenging lumping throat conversations with, with all the family members and friends stuff like that and then you're fucking setting sail then what thinking holy shit what have I done <laughs> yeah. yeah no so you set off and again it's it's almost the first the first day of an ocean rose, like the first time you have sex, a lot going <laughs> terrifying. on. Terrifying. Yeah. Last three yeah, seconds. Ter terrifying. <laughs> it's all, everything happens so fast. And then before you know it, you're getting your head down. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that pushed off from Portugal. And first first challenge was, so believe it or not, and everyone, you can Google this. So there is a pod of orcas that mm. patrol the south of Portugal and the south of Spain. Mm. And they'd been attacking small boats mm. to the point where Spain actually put a ban on them in the summer of 2021. Ban on whales or ban on boats? Ban on boats. <laughs> yeah. Ban on small boats leaving... Yeah around the coast because they were basically biting the rods off hmm. so uh i'm rowing and, and first thing i'm like oh my god it's actually happening you know minuscule challenge hmm. and i see this big orca coming towards me i'm like holy shit sounds like it's just a plastic bag <laughs> <laughs> so uh i survived my plastic bag attack and then yeah. we're going out and i managed to navigate the shipping lanes real sort of punchy stuff hmm. those shipping lanes are out i think maybe 35 miles wide. Um, and the lanes themselves are about six nautical miles. Mm. So if you're rowing at three knots, which is a good pace, that's going to take you two hours. Two hours to get across each lane. Each lane, yeah. So, so that's like basically trying to leopard crawl across the M6. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 100%. So anyway, I've leopard crawled across the M6 at peak rush hour. And I've made it. And that first five days is tough. Mm. You know, you are getting used to that isolationism. I remember the first day I couldn't sit in the cabin. Mm. You get in the cabin, you're rocking around. I'm absolutely juiced up to the eyeballs with um, seasickness tablets yeah. and still I couldn't sit in the cabin. My hands are sore. The calluses haven't formed yet. My back is hanging out. My bum is chafed. I've got some really nice photos that yeah. you've actually I've seen. seen it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> 
Uh, and you're just like that, and you're thinking, holy shit. Mm. Your first day was great, 50 miles. Mm. Second day was about 25, mm. and you you almost get into your own head then. You're like, yeah. right, if, if the next 10 days are 25-mile days, it's going to take me this long. Mm. I've only got this amount of food. So you've really got to just focus, dial in, yeah. and that's that's what I did, get on. and But it's weird, quitting was never in my mindset, Mark. Yeah, And I put that down to a few things, but just the way I am, that determined, stubborn, tenacious individual. But I told too many people about it. Yeah, so you had that degree of accountability. 100%. Yeah. But I know to everyone, my best friend, all my friends, the people that sponsored me, members of the 250 Club, the charity, mm. I couldn't, in my mind, I was like, Jack, if you have to quit, and unless it's not catastrophic, mm. how could you go back to your hometown? Mm. That was in my mindset. So you power through them. And once you get through that five days, it's mad how mm. incredible the human body is. Mm. It just adapts. You get used to being on your own. Your ass stops hurting. <laughs> your hands just callous up. Mm. Your back, even though I was rowing, first week I was rowing, and that might have been something to do with that. I started rowing 15 hours a day, mm. broken into shifts. But I, at the end of the first five days, I took it down to 14 hours mm. because I was on the oars for that last hour. And I, I was just a floating shirt. I was there, yeah, mate, but I was adding no effect. Yeah. So what I did is I, I subtracted an hour, mm. 14 hours a day, and that just made me so much more productive and yeah. I was a lot fresher when I woke up. Mm. So yeah, and you just get used to it and then you're in it then, mate. Yeah. And then it was just like, right, five days down, 85 to go. Well, what I thought would be 85, I ended up <laughs> taking 111. <laughs> so there's a couple of things you said there and this is why I'm really interested in having these kind of conversations with guys like yourself because often whenever you speak to peak performers and people who have achieved exceptional things, not saying you didn't know what you were doing, but you're demonstrating skills that then scientists are talking about and, and psychologists are trying to break down and arguably the Hard to Kill program is trying to then replicate in the lives of other people. The first one you spoke about was segmenting and there's a great quote that I heard uh, quite some time ago when I first got into ultra endurance running, which is run the mile you're in because I, I like it. it it's fucking really easy to think, fucking, I've got so far to go and I'm hanging out now. And if I stick at this pace, I'm going to be hanging out for the next fucking 100 days. Forget about it. You've got to break it down and literally just run the mile you're in. Some miles are really hard. And you're like, well, it's not going to last forever. Other miles will fly by. And you're like, that's mega. Enjoy it for what it is. Know that that isn't going to last forever. Expect it's going to get hard again. So that was the first thing. And segmenting is a really, really powerful skill because it's basically, you can drive a whole journey at night with your headlights on, right? Even though you don't know what's over there in the darkness, you know what's in front of your headlight. So just focus on that fucker and just keep that moving forward and eventually you'll arrive at the destination. Well, to do that all the time it, i used to th we get to the end of this week mm. you know when i was on like maybe wednesday i'll be like all oh, right then my weeks would i say reset but i would do my update on a friday mm. so that was on my main update so i break it down but then it come down right we just got finished today mm. it's tough then you just got to finish this four and a half hour shift and then sometimes i'd be like right so every 20 minutes after the first hour, well no sorry every 20 minutes i'd have a sip of water and mm. then after the first hour i'd have a sip of water and a bit of food yeah quarter of a chalky bar and I'd be mm. like, right, let's just get to the next 20 minutes. Mm. So yeah, that huge 111 day journey, sometimes I was breaking down into 20 minute chunks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes even like with my experience of running, it can be you get to that fucking rock, get to that rocky outcrop, just get to there and then you can hang out for a minute and you can go again. And then the interesting thing you said is almost counterintuitive to a lot of people, which is you made the decision when you weren't making the pace to do less um, because it's a very commonly held societal belief that you should do more. Like, And, and that's a problem for a lot of people when they look at productivity in the workplace even they're like oh i need to work longer hours hold on how effective are you being in the eight hours that you got you're only working two hours because you're on instagram for that you're on fucking throwing yourself around the fucking toilet for that you're, you're doing all these other different things and your actual your work when we get over checking emails having needless conversations scrolling instagram is like two hours a day so how about we actually work less but increase the potency and that's exactly the decision you made that right rather than 15 hours but the last hour's dog shit that can be delegated off to recoverability and i'll just work harder for the, the time i have got 
and it was hit more the, effective. Hit the nail on the head, Mark, and, mm. and it was amazing mm. how much. And maybe it was because my body was starting to adapt, mm. and then it started to adapt, and I took that hour away. Mm. But literally, I, I remember thinking, I was like, all I was doing for that last hour was clock watching, yeah, tapping away at the water, and I was just like, and I was, you know, maybe slying away, going into bed five minutes early, and I just thought, no, let's let's be let's be real about this. Mm. And just take an hour off, and the like I said, productivity was yeah much improved. And I just wake up and I was up straight away. Yeah, scran on the oars. Mm. So yeah, it's yeah people people forget that productivity is a two way equation. It's not just more input equals more output. Like if you can have um, the same input with less time, your output is actually doubled or like improved. So like whatever one hour as a percent of fifteen is, it's, it's you actually productivity is increased by that percent. You're doing less but getting the exact same fucking output. Mm. So your productivity increases. Across the course of the road then, mate, what were the um give us one highlight and one one real challenge. So on March thirteenth <laughs> 2022 i saw a shark and yeah. that was incredible the, all the wildlife was incredible because mm. again it goes down to people like how do you stay so positive well for a start i volunteered to be there mark mm. and i worked bloody hard to get there mm. so if i was just sat around oh this is crap and i think a lot of people maybe do that now i'm not going to name names yeah but they want to make their achievement look better so they're like oh it's so hard and don't get me wrong it was hard yeah but i volunteered to be there mate yeah yeah, yeah. forced to put a gun's mind I was raising money for people with brain tumours. Mm. Of course, you can't really fucking moan. Yeah, yeah. No fucking moan. So the wildlife was all incredible, and what I mean, the reason it was such a actually, I've got to be truthful with you, and I'll tell you after I've told you the story. So the wildlife. How many people have seen dolphins, whales, sharks, mm. marlins, big, you know, uh, dolphin fish mm. in the wild in the middle of the Atlantic when yeah. you're closer to the International Space Station than it was to land. For large, part, yeah, for, yeah. yeah, for large yeah. part, and so I'm, I'm, I'm rowing. I see this fin, and and and, and again. You know, it sounds, you think big seas, and there were big seas, and there were days when there was no wind and all these, but it's very mundane, ocean mm. rowing, 14 hours a day, you're just grinding away. So to see that shark, I was like, wow. And then, because I'd seen that fin before, and their fins are very different to dolphins or whales. Yeah. So I managed to jump in, get the GoPro, put the GoPro on the wall, and it was getting pretty close, and I was able to look at the footage afterwards, and it was just such a highlight, mm. and it was such an incredible moment, and it really put a smile on my face. So that was one highlight, but I've got to be truthful with you. Probably the second, well, definitely. Okay, shark first joint first yeah yeah joint first would be when you get your fat head down and you yeah. wake up in the morning and you've gone 10 miles in the right direction <laughs> well it just happened to a fucking coat like drift the right way yeah because yeah. i'd have to rest for sort yeah. of four and a half five hours yeah you, you have to as a solo rower mm. i mean people talk about doing you know 40 minutes but i just don't know if that is achievable i mean mm. on a sailing boat maybe because mm. you're getting that assistance from the wind you're not on the oars but you have to rest mm. If the weather was with you, you'd be like, yeah, it's going to be a good man. You go get right down, wake up 10 miles in the right direction. <laughs> I mean, not directly on your course, but yeah. there or thereabouts. But the flip side of that coin, sometimes you get it wrong. You'd be like, mm, probably all right. Won't put the parachute anchor out. Parachute anchor is basically something, a sea anchor holds you in place. Mm. Um, and you'd maybe go back six six miles in the wrong direction. Just <laughs> wake, wake up, up absolutely ready. fucking spewing. Yeah. You, just stay, you just stay positive by going, oh, well, that's a kick in the nuts. Yeah. But Starting in the world. Yeah. Sitting here crying about it, it's not going to change. And yeah. I think getting on the oars is probably going to help. Yeah. Start you get going in the right direction. Mm. Like I said, you you elected to be there. Yeah. Yeah. So that was the thing. So yeah, that was that those were the two the biggest highlights and all the other. And then the finish as well was incredible. Mm. I remember way back when, but when I was living in and around Lincoln and I got roped in like two weeks' notice to do a uh 
a charity run for the Grenadier Guards Foundation because uh, another PTA I used to work with was uh, fucking was a Grand Guard, and one of my actual eventual clients uh, was a, a double blow the knee amputee from from a Herrick, and we were raising money for him. And the reason I hadn't initially got on board is because I was doing a photo shoot, so I've been starving my ass off. Is this when you were bodybuilding? Yeah, back yeah, in the day. Yeah, the day. De depleted as fuck, and he's like, I basically got peer pressure into doing it. The photo shoot was the day before a fucking um, this charity event, which was like a race in Lincoln, carrying a Bergen and boots and all that sort of stuff. And I was like, and I remember running along my fake tan started to melt because it was still on from the day before fucking it was all getting in my eyes i remember Stinging. like fucking yeah being like my oh, fuck i can't see shit and then nathan was there with more kit than i was carrying 55 yeah. pounds on his fucking uh wheelchair wheel alongside me and he was like yeah it sounds really hard mate and i was like <laughs> i was like fuck I can't feel <laughs> yeah i was like fucking i don't know what we did banter about there was a lot of the course was downhill so i was like you fucking cheating cut <laughs> he was there, just wheeling away but yeah um in, in instances like that it does really really help to a have a sense of humor and b remember that you actually pressure is a privilege and, and you elected to be there um so yeah really really cool so you spoke about touching down on shore like landing what was that like mate so i want to i want to run you back so talk about emotion hmm. so the only time i really felt emotional on the on the road i mean I, I broke my finger as well pulling in the parachute i don't know if you yeah know i think you showed that yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah um it's actually got a lot well a lot a lot straighter than what it was <laughs> but even then i didn't i was more annoyed hmm. rather than emotional i was like you idiot like imagine i can't row but i took the day off and i was able to row so the final 36 hours, so my family have flown out in America, which would put another bit of pressure on me because I was like, right, I need to get in, otherwise they're going to have to fly home mm. and they're going to miss me. So I woke up on the final, or what I thought would be the final day, and I start rowing. Now, for anyone who's not you know, a seagoer or knows too much about the currents around Florida, don't worry, I don't expect many people to. I didn't before mm. I did this. The Straits of Florida is a current that rips at about four knots mm. from south to north around the Cape of Florida. Now, my average speed for the crossing was 1.8 knots, mm. so fast. And I was already pretty much just south of where I needed to be, West Palm Beach. So I started rowing, uh, rowed for four hours, four hours, 20 minutes, and then I had a break, had a chicken, chicken chow moan. <laughs> and my boat, in that time I'd stopped rowing, instead of making any progress westward, had just gone directly two miles north. Mm. So I remember thinking, right, to beat this current, I need to keep rowing. So I then rowed for eight hours straight, and the current was that strong, I couldn't even put my oars underneath my legs to have a drink mm. and, a, and a or a bite to eat. So I literally rowed, I probably maybe had a hand five sips of water in eight hours. Mm. And when I mean sips, I mean sips. So anyway, I've rowed, given it absolute beans. I've been doing five knots because of the current, and I've just made, not made nowhere near enough progress westward. So to the point where I was on the same latitude as West Palm Beach, but 10 miles out of the coast. So mm. you thought when you first see land, and not first see land, because I'd seen a bit of the Bahamas five days before, but my finishing point, I'd be quite happy. I was really, like, really down mm. to the point where I was like getting in my own head, not because I didn't think I'd make it, because I didn't think I'd make it in time mm. for my family to, to see them. Yeah, Because again, not that many people maybe know this, but the coast of Florida is all canals that have been taken out of the mainland so the coast of florida isn't actually mainland north america so if i just spanked it into the beach mm. 111 day 110 days at this point for nothing yeah that record wouldn't have counted because it's not mainland north america so then i had to go to another inlet so i've missed my first i phoned chris my weather router and i said chris i've missed it he goes all right don't worry mate there's another one saint lucy and uh that is that's 30 miles up the coast i'm like 30 miles <laughs> It's another 10 hours rowing. Mm. But again, I was like, right, focus, chat. We need to do this. So get back on the oars. I'll probably row for another two hours. And I'm just making, no, I'm getting pushed further and further north. Minimal progress west. And I'm like, I'm not going to make it. Because I know as well that past that, mm. there's not another one for it. I didn't actually know exactly. And I feel I'm getting emotional now. And I, I remember phoning my mum 
because the communication wasn't good with my shore team, but maybe, you know, I'm not going to blame them for that. Yeah. I could have maybe said something. I found my mom and she's like, oh, you're right. And they're all in America, you know, Fort Lauderdale, having a few drinks. Mm. And they've been, all the boys have been playing golf. So they've been having a good time. Whereas I'm on like the bare bones of my arse here, mm. panicking. <laughs> I ain't going to make it. I was like, oh, you're right. And I said, again, choked up. I'm like, mom. And I was so stupid. I felt like I was letting them all down, mm. even though I just spent 110 days at sea. So and I'm like, oh yeah, I'm gonna, I'm going to the Saint Lucian lab. No, all right, don't, no, don't worry, we'll go wherever, whatever time. We're not bothered. We're not bothered. Mm. Not really understanding the sort of pressure and yeah, the elements yeah. I'm under, but that's not their fault. So no, I get around again, and, and again, I was faced with this choice, and I, f I was feeling really sorry for myself at this point, Mark. Mm. Really sorry, and I just thought, right, what, what are my options are? I'm not going to get towing, am I? I'm not going to call the US Coast Guard. That would be embarrassing. <laughs> I'm not going to sit in the cabin and just cry. Mm. I might as well just keep rowing. And even though, again, it goes back to going back to those meetings two mm. years ago, which mm. I was going into and I didn't think anyone would give me a dime, but I went anyway mm. on the off chance that they'd give me a couple of quid. I just got on the oars and started rowing. And eventually, after about three hours, my bearing to waypoint started to change. So I was obviously coming underneath it. Mm. So it was to my north rather to my west. And I was like, holy shit, I'm going to make it. Mm. Instantly, this burst of energy. So I'm rowing hard. I've rowed for 10 hours. Tell Chris my plan because it's now dark and I've never seen this new inlet. Mm. I'd seen photos of the West Palm Beach one. I said, mate, I'm gonna, what I'm gonna do is I anchor up, I'm gonna go in in the morning. Chris goes, ooh, I don't know if you should do that, mate. Hey, I don't think your anchor will hold. And I remember thinking, I can't remember if I said this to him or, I was like, I think I just said, yep, yeah, well, I'm fucking doing it, mate. So if it doesn't work, I'll phone you back. Mm. <laughs> and I was just like, in that moment, I was just like, keep your mouth shut, mate. Yeah. <laughs> Chuck the anchor in, it held, woke up in the morning, and everyone at this point thinks it's a slam dunk. But I wake up and there's another load of pressure now. So again, if I'd have spanked it in, I'm not in the inlet now. Record would have been null and void. There's a dredging operation going on. And I remember thinking, fucking hell, can't I just catch a break? Mm. US Coast Guard come out and said, oh, we'll, we'll help guide you in. Obviously, they can't touch me, give me a toe. Mm. But I make it in with probably millimeters to spare. It's probably <laughs> many, many, many meters. Yeah. Uh, but it felt like millimeters, make it in and, and just seeing everyone. And the reason I bring that story up is because people think, oh, did you cry? But I'd had that emotional sort yeah. of release mm. while I was on the water. And then when I made it in, I was just, I was just happy. Just relief, just yeah. Just relief. It was, it was relief, yeah. but relief, joy. You know, a lot of people doubted me and in my past for a lot of things, mm. not just about the row. Mm. You know, suffered from dyslexia when I was a, when I was a kid. Mm. Um, things on uh, at work, maybe hadn't planned out. My original plan hadn't worked out. And we can talk about that if you want. Mm. Uh, to make it in and set out to be the, to have a goal that's two years away and to achieve it was relief and joy mm -hmm. and then happiness because all my friends were there yeah. and they were all sitting in the set of my family and 30 of people and they were not talking. I said, God, someone had me a Corona and like, <laughs> you know, why is no one talking to me? Yeah. You know, let's, let's have yeah. a good time. Yeah. Like, oh, we didn't know how you'd be. I said, I'll be absolutely fine, mate. I've been yeah. looking forward to this. And so, yeah, it was just pure, pure, I would say euphoria. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. Purest form. But it doesn't, it doesn't last for long and, and, I was just like, all right, what's the next thing? Yeah, that what's the next cool. thing? Yeah, yeah, what's, yeah. What's the next thing? Yeah, and what is, um, with the time I've got left, mate, what is going to be the next thing? When does this go out? Uh, ah, fuck uh, it, who cares? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I've got the Manchester Marathon yeah. and the London Marathon, yeah, which are in April, which I'm really looking forward to. Mm. Done the London Marathon before, unofficially managed to photocopy a race number and sneak in. <laughs> you didn't know that, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. story for another time. Yeah. Uh, but I'm doing a 24-hour swim yeah. between the piers off Bournemouth Beach, mm -hmm. Boscombe, Boscombe Pier, Bournemouth Pier. Yeah. Uh, and I'm going to do that for 24 hours, raising money for Head Head Up, which is a veteran, uh, sorry, is a charity for veterans and serving members of the British forces. Mm. 
that are struggling with mental health. Yeah. Um, really good cause. They're setting up a retreat in Worcester. Mm. So yeah, want to raise a, raise a bit of dough for them, a bit of PR. And when's the, when's the date of that? 29th of July. 29th of July. So that'll be peak summer on Bournemouth Beach. So it'll be worth going down and have a look. Yeah. And, yeah. I expect to see your bowl covered <laughs> yeah, in sun yeah, cream though. Fucking, Don't worry. Mate, I'll be absolutely fucking mahogany post Sahara Desert, mate. Oi, I'll be oi, fucking, yeah. Go. Yeah, I mean, like a bronze god. <laughs> Back in the bodybuilding day. Yeah. And on that note, we'll draw it to a close. So Jack, mate, that's been, um, I've loved talking about that. We've taken an enormous amount away and uh, hopefully you, the listeners, have as well. And I'd love to hear any feedback you've got, any questions, queries, all that sort of stuff. If people want to see more on your future charity raise and stuff, they want to get in touch to sponsor you for your charity stuff. If they want to just, just follow you, where's the best place to get you, mate? So Instagram, Twitter, yeah. Facebook, Jack Jarvis. Um, Instagram and Twitter, Jack Jarvis Official. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah that's, that is where to follow me. Yeah, unless you're yeah. going to come to my house with uh, Southampton if you want to follow me in that way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you'll be seeing a lot more of me on Mark's profile <laughs> as well. Awesome. There you go, team. Cheers, guys.